2: Welcome to Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio. On today's show, can Chris Jones cement his KC legacy this postseason? Will the Hawks cap off their season with a dub in Memphis? And could it be the end of an era in Vegas? Special guests include Nate Ferguson at 11 and Andy and Mahomes live at 1145. Now a man who's going to need a recovery beer after the show today, Alex Gold. Alex Gold. Nice little nod to Luka Doncic with the
3: the recovery beer. I have to talk about him today. Unbelievable. I know we're not an NBA market, but man, oh man,
2: we can. Rec- we're still allowed to recognize. I think we greatness. Can.
3: It right? was greatness last night for Luka. And guess what? We can tie it into Kansas City because guess who was in attendance for that sixty-plus point performance yesterday? Cody Tap? Uh, no, no, no. Paul he, Rudd? No uh, current athlete in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes. Well, nobody on the Chiefs because they're kind of getting ready for a football game this Vinny week. Vinny
2: Pasquintino. Close. Uh, how about I'll help you out? <laughs> I'll help you out. Uh, <laughs> I can keep going. I, mean, I, mean, I know more I mean, athletes. If you, if
3: you want, I'll let you keep. We'll just see how long it takes. Slugger. Uh, <laughs> Bobby Witt Jr. was courtside last okay, night. I would have got there. You got to watch that. Not a bad game to go to. Bobby Witt Jr. was courtside for Luca's incredible performance for the Dallas Who's Mavericks. Who's older, by the way? Between Luca and Bobby Witt. Mm-hmm. Well, Luka's what, 23? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Witt, I think, is still younger, right? Yeah
2: believe that's true. So there's still time for him to reach Luka Doncic's <laughs> level of greatness. How about this? Let's make a new running rule for whether or not we're allowed to talk about the NBA. Okay. If someone does something that even Wilt Chamberlain never did. 60 points, 21 boards, 10 assists. <laughs> next notable notes coming up. Okay. In 50 minutes. Okay.
3: Cannot wait. We'll we'll talk more about Luka and what he was able to do. You mentioned it, though. Nick Ferguson, former Broncos safety, going to join us coming up at 11. Of course, there's a ton to get into with him. The the mess in Denver, Nathaniel Hackett fired as we hit on a little bit yesterday. I want to get his perspective, though, on where the Broncos organization goes, how it relates to the Chiefs. And we know the Chiefs do play the Broncos on Sunday. And if you're a player, what's the locker room like when your head coach gets fired? And is this a motivating factor for a team heading in to play the Chiefs? Or do they just kind of lay down? Uh, In this game at Arrowhead, knowing that they're two weeks away from vacation if you're the Denver Broncos. So we'll talk to Nick Ferguson about that coming up in one hour. Also today, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes live at 1145 out at Arrowhead. We'll hear from Big Red and Patrick Mahomes. If you didn't hear from Patrick Mahomes uh, yesterday, really good uh, interview from CDOT up on the Odyssey app and the 610 Sports website uh, but I hope everybody's having a good day. It is uh, Cody and Gold, minus Cody. He'll be back with us next week. Then we'll get the, the full crew together. I'm sure there's plenty of baked goods going on right now. I haven't seen any photos yet, but I would imagine those are quickly going to be tweeted out or put on Instagram. We'll keep an eye on that as well. Um, but you mentioned Chris Jones uh, there in your intro. And I think it's kind of interesting for for a lot of different players, and we can work through this leading up to the eventually the first playoff game. Let's hope that that first playoff game is – not until the divisional round. Let's hope the Chiefs uh, can end up getting the one seed, and that will require a Cincinnati win, first and foremost, uh, for the Chiefs uh, on Monday Night Football needing Cincy to beat Buffalo. And I I cannot wait, cannot wait for Monday Night Football uh, to get underway. It really has the biggest billing we've had for a Monday Night Football game in quite some time, and understandably so. But there's legacies on the line for multiple Chiefs players, I think, in this postseason. There's also, of course, contracts on the line from multiple Chiefs players come postseason. We hit on that a little bit with Nate Taylor yesterday with even uh, like Juan Thornhill, for example. But Chris Jones in particular, Chris Jones is having an incredible season. And so when you look at legacy potential and legacy opportunities for a player like him, I'm curious where you're at right now in general, how you would categorize Chris Jones' current legacy and then what potentially he can change come the postseason. Because we know Chris Jones... His high watermark in his career for sacks was 15 and a half back in 2018. He was just 24 years old at that time. You fast forward now to 2022 and he's a 28-year-old defensive tackle that is going to have to get a new contract one way or the other. Yeah, he has a year left, but they're going to have to either restructure it, give him a new deal, or trade him. These are all the possibilities and off-season questions that will have to be answered around Chris Jones, but he's got 12 sacks with two to go. He's got a chance to I think realistically finished with 14 sacks. If you think he can get three and a half in two games, then, then he can tie his career high. That would be pretty remarkable, considering I think what everybody's preseason expectation might have been for Chris Jones. He's been fantastic. He's been all pro, you know, second team a handful of times, three times in particular. I'm hoping this is the year where he'll be first team all pro. That's typically something that Aaron Donald, of course, has always occupied, but maybe this is the year where you can see, Chris Jones at the defensive tackle spot actually be first team all pro, which would be the first time in an NFL career. And I think it's well-deserved. And I think he, he should be that this particular year. I think his legacy, knowing that he's already got a ring attached to me, the one thing that he can do to maybe solidify in Kansas city a little bit is something that seems silly and dumb considering he's proven in the regular season, he can be as dominant as any defensive player. That he can be a 15 and a half sack guy, that can that he can disrupt everything, is the ridiculous stat that we can continue to reference, and hopefully this postseason will end, and that is the fact that he doesn't have a postseason sack, Nick. Like to me, it's weird to say that one thing can be legacy altering. But right now, what's what's the big thing that people continue to bring up about him? Is like, well, he still doesn't have a playoff sack. And that's gotta be so damn annoying if you're Chris Jones, by the way. Has to be so annoying. So for his sake and for everybody's sake, I think that's the one thing that can change even more of the narrative around here uh, for him, which is get the one postseason sack this year and end it. I, I've always maintained, though, with that that stat in particular and why I don't... It's a, it's a big deal, but also at the same time, I think it's overblown. What I mean by that is Frank Clark all time is top four in postseason sacks ever. And yet Chris Jones doesn't have one. And we know who the better player is. By the is. way,
2: not just... Not just uh, is it fourth or fifth? I thought it was fifth. Maybe it's either fifth. way. I, here's what Let me I do pull know. back up. Here's what I, I do know. Up earlier, he is one sack away. Frank Clark. I'm going to totally turn this into a Frank Clark conversation. <laughs> Frank Clark is one sack away from tying Reggie White, perhaps the greatest pass yeah, rusher uh, in the history of
3: football. So Frank Clark, yeah, he's in like a six way tie for fifth. By the way. Uh, but one sack away, you're right, from Reggie White. A sack and a half away from being third all-time with Who's Terrell Suggs. Terrell Suggs. And, and he's, he's Keep naming three, the other names. Three and a half sacks away in the postseason from Bruce Smith. 14 <laughs> and oh, and he's five away from Willie McGinnis. Although in the recent news for Willie is not good. And by but the still,
2: way, uh, uh, Frank Clark has played in significantly less games than all of those guys. So, so, so. Someone said, did you guys just say ever? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, that This is an ever stat for Frank Clark. Yeah. All-time. All time. Yeah. Not, not like in, that. That's there's yeah.
2: no caveat. There's no asterisk. Here's
3: the other name. Frank Clark on the list. is fifth
2: all time uh-huh. in postseason sacks with 11.
3: So I bring that up for just the conversation around Chris Jones, because Nick, like that I think is a big knock that people will put on Chris Jones, not having a playoff sack. And I'm hoping this is the year that that changes. Cause he needs to be impactful in the playoffs. Let's remember he can be impactful. And he usually is even when he's not getting sacks. We see that happen time and time again. But for his sake, if we're talking legacy, that kind of stuff, yeah, get getting a playoff sack would go a long way, uh, for that that narrative attached to him, and that's got to be an ultra motivating factor. Um, but but the fact that Frank Clark is where he is just tells you how, in a way, it's I don't know if fickle's the right word, but in the, in the, these playoff sacks, nobody thinks Frank Clark's on the same page of any of these players we just listed yet. Here
2: he is, and he's fifth all time in playoff sacks. So what do we th- like, what do we chalk it up to? Because it's not a position where you can say, I mean, maybe you can, but I don't think of pass rusher as being like, oh, he's in his own head, right? He's, he's got the yips, whatever. If it was wide receiver, cornerback, that would make a little bit more sense. Quarterback. But at pass rusher, it's, hey, you're big, strong, and fast. You've played at a very high level the entirety of your career. You've played in 12 postseason games. You haven't been able to get home. It is it as simple as every single time you face the Chiefs in the playoffs, you are attributing all of your attention to him? I think it's a huge chunk. I think it's a huge chunk, and this is—it's also the the way I think fantasy football
3: with stats, even for those that play with individual defensive players and all that. I think so much of course, right? Sacks is everything, right? We've we vote, we, vote, we vote. sacks is everything. We don't count in the. The attention that he brings and allows other guys to succeed. We don't we don't mention the batted passes probably enough from him or this entire defense right now to go with a team that's top five, top six in, in sacks. But they also are the best team in terms of batted down passes. Dunlap, we mentioned Carl Loftus yesterday, and and what he's been able to do. So yeah, I mean, I I think that's a huge huge chunk of it. It's just more anything. It's mind boggling that that postseason sack just hasn't happened. But I think that you know overall cementing legacy for a guy that's got a ring I think this year maybe he'll get the all pro this year hopefully he gets the playoff sack I, oh he's I gonna I, get the all pro know. he's gonna be. I, I mean how is he not he's been second team for three years and now we're looking at where Aaron Donald in the Rams and it hasn't been nearly as dominant well, of the he season. Has,
2: he has established himself this year as the best interior pass yeah. rusher in football
3: this should be the year he finally gets first team all pro And so from a pure legacy conversation with Chris Jones, when the guy's already got a ring, he's going to get an all pro. I get, you know, if you're saying what's the next thing after that, well, of course, it'd be defensive player of the year. That's, you know, that's not going to happen this year. Again, Nick Bosa is going to win that for a while. It looked like it was going to be Micah Parsons. It's awfully tough, even though we know Chris Jones isn't an edge rusher the way those two guys are. And so that you can say, going back to the sack numbers and how people evaluate that award, it's. There, there's no perfect process for any of these awards in the NFL. There's a lot of issues with how the MVP is decided, for uh, example, as we discussed yesterday and really for the last couple of months. When it comes to Mahomes and narratives with Hertz, and now with Joe Burrow and people trying to talk themselves into saying Justin Jefferson should be MVP, all this crazy stuff uh, that's going on. It's all narrative-driven. But I think for Chris Jones, that's, that's what he has a chance to do in the postseason. Nine one three five eight six seven six ten 586 7610 Jay Southland, toe service text line. You guys can interact with with us. From the 6'2", someone says, I don't even care about the sack number. He hasn't made a difference in our biggest playoff games other than the Super Bowl. There have been a ton. I mean, that I I get what you're saying. The only only problem I guess I would have with that is saying he hasn't had an impact in the playoffs, Nick, other than the Super Bowl. Well, I mean,
2: I would probably take that one. uh, Super Bowl is kind of a big one to have an impact in. So what would you consider to be a big postseason for Chris Jones? We know what the we yeah, know what I the high water mark is, but like Yeah,
3: I, I don't think it requires him to have, you know, three and a half sacks in the postseason. Now, I think he's gotta have a damn sack this year in the postseason. And if they get a third crack, or I guess a fourth crack, at Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, despite what you said, which is Cincinnati clearly said we, we don't believe anybody else on your defense can beat our offensive line. We 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 think we can shut down Chris Jones and we don't we don't believe Frank Clark and Carl Loftus or Don Lap's gonna get to our quarterback. Um that game in particular, I think that's the big, that, that's the big uh, performance that people key in on. AFC title game last year, multiple opportunities to bring down Burrow. He couldn't, they couldn't as a unit. Chris Jones talked about that in the offseason, how that was something that he couldn't do, and he acknowledged it and took blame for it. So that would probably be it. Like More than Nick meets sitting here telling you that he needs to have three and a half or four sacks in the postseason, it's get a sack, And it's probably, if you face Cincinnati again, that sack, if that sacks against Joe Burrow, I think that says a lot because it's not just the sack numbers for Chris Jones. It's the, the, the impact that he can have across the board. He's also at times not too bad in, in the, in the run
2: game either this year, he's been better at it. What I want to happen is first quarter. Let's say the chiefs are playing the dolphins, right? First round, a wild card week, wild card week. And let's imagine they get the two two seed. I think like a first drive sack from Chris Jones, right? right Just just get it out of the way, (laughs) because if you get it out of the way early, it no longer is a talking point. Every single time the chiefs defense is on the field, because that's all every chiefs fan is looking for is when is 95 going to get home? I know you can make an impact without getting after the quarterback, but I'm sure for his sake, it would be good to just get that monkey off his back early. There's been the the few takeaways
3: that this defense has had this year. On some of those interceptions, you know, the interception gets credited to, uh, you know, a Thornhill or, or LeJerry Sneed or whoever, right, just throwing out random guys in the secondary. But what gets lost at times is Chris Jones maybe being the reason why that ball is just thrown almost, you know, up in the air, is batted up in the air. That, that's why I mentioned it's not just the sack numbers. Like, what what true impact is he – having on the field and I think that's always underrated because it's just very easy for people to pull up pro football reference or a box score and say oh did he have a sack in the game or not no he must not have had a good game and I think that's lazy
2: very lazy but that's what a lot of people do I think you I think you could make a case with the addition of Carlos Dunlap who's been solid yeah yes with George Karloftis who is coming along with Frank Clark who has been Frank Clark but he has made his impact felt right. He's second on the team in sacks with five. So you take in the combination of sort of all of those guys. I do feel like he, he now has the ability to be able to get home because if you do double team him, we've seen that other guys will make you pay for that. And that hasn't always been the case in his career. Will that, ha- I need to see it happen against Buffalo I mean, the or Cincinnati, five, you know the what I mean? Top five in the NFL in yeah. sacks. And we're, we got two weeks to go in the season. Like, at some yeah. point, you start to look at the numbers and say, hey, this has been one of the most productive sack teams in the NFL. Like, you have to, we have to oh, give that's them a fact. credit for yeah. that, right? No, that,
3: that's a fact. And, you know, when we brought up Karloftis yesterday, it's not just that now Karloftis has four and a half sacks, but what, four of them are in the last five weeks? So it's happened. You know, We always talk about peaking at the right time and trending in the right direction. Well, Karloftis, as a player in his rookie season, it's actually more promising. It's not like he had four sacks in the first five weeks of the season and then trailed off. No, I'd rather him doing what he's doing now, which is heading into the postseason, starting to have more impact, heading into this postseason, heading into eventually to next season. Like that's that's a more promising sign. We'll talk more about this a little bit later on in the show. Also. Uh, we'll talk uh, about maybe how a former NFL player sees this Chiefs team and how they stack up against the competition when Nick Ferguson, former Broncos safety, joins us at 11 o'clock. Uh, staying in the AFC West, though, you know, yesterday it's all about Nathaniel Hackett and, and being fired and what it means for the AFC West. And it's another team now, again, that's going to have to, for a second straight season, find a new head coach. And it looks like that'll probably be the only coaching change because I think, Josh McDaniel will end up staying in Las Vegas because of the financial reasons. And then we'll get to Brandon Staley coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But I think this finally might be it, Nick, for Derek Carr in Las Vegas. Uh, Derek Carr, I think for much of his career, probably got way too much heat for the lack of success that the Raiders had. However, at some point in time, it is time for everybody to move on. And maybe you're a Chiefs fan and say, no, I wish Derek Carr would just stay in Las Vegas because they haven't really accomplished anything. You could do worse. You You could could definitely do
2: worse than Derek Carr. And that's it.
3: Heading into the season, I had on our quarterback rankings like everybody does, I had Derek Carr, 12th best quarterback in the league. I don't think he's been that this year, but I still don't think he's any worse than the 15th best quarterback. So you're right. When When we're talking about how much worse can it get, it can always get worse. And maybe the Raiders will find that out. But looking at this three-interception performance he had against the Steelers when they still had a slim chance to make the playoffs. And I guess technically, mathematically, the Raiders aren't eliminated. But come on, guys. The, the Raiders are not going to make the postseason. So three interceptions in that game. And if you guys remember how that contract was structured this past offseason, we said, oh, that it, it looks good. They gave, him a little, they gave him an extension and all that. But there's no guaranteed money after this year. They can wipe their hands clean. He got $24.9 million, $40 million deal, $32.9 million for next year which was guaranteed for injury, of course, he's not hurt. The waiver period for this season is right after the Super Bowl. It's like the third, third day, so the, right after the Super Bowl. So if they want to cut Carr, they can get out of the $40.5 million in liability during that time period. Or they don't cut him. They're liable for the money, but then they can maybe work out a trade in the offseason. I don't think Derek Carr is the quarterback. For the Las Vegas Raiders next year, one way or the other, either they cut him, save 40 and a half mil, or I could actually see them not cutting him in time to save the money and see if there's any suitors. Because as you said, you could always do worse. I'm looking at teams like the New York Jets, for example, who have the defense, I think have some of the young talent on offense and Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson to be more competitive than even what they are this year. They might still sneak in. Mike White's going to try to be the savior for them. But Derek Carr with the Jets, I think they're actually perfect for each other. The Jets fans would love Derek Carr, would they not? he will probably disappoint them too. But like, I think Jets fans would love Derek Carr. There's multiple teams that I think Derek Carr could help next
2: year. I don't think he's a Las Vegas Raider. We spent a lot of time this season talking about how great it is that the Broncos are stuck with Russell Wilson and how Chiefs fans should rejoice in the fact that they're going to have to have him on the roster, whether it's either financially or on the field, that's going to hinder them for the foreseeable future. That's a great thing for the Chiefs. Ask yourself this as a Chiefs fan. Do you want to continue to see Derek Carr there? Or would you rather open the mystery door as to who no, could I, come in next? I would
3: rather the Raiders hold on. As a Chiefs fan, I would say, oh, keep Derek Carr. I I I kind of know what your ceiling is. He's gonna he's gonna make get you excited a few weeks a year mm-hmm. and, and, and and maybe make you believe a little bit if you're a Raiders fan. But ultimately, he's not a threat. We're talking about guys like Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes.
2: You know, in, in this AFC picture, Justin Herbert,
3: you know, Derek Carr's not in that, is
1: not that is, same. Is to, okay. Let's just yeah. text
2: lines asking it. Let's just ask the obvious question. Is Tom Brady going to be in Las Vegas next year? Because sounds like he can get out from his contract.
1: In well, Tampa. He can. He's,
3: he's a free agent. Um, we're going to get into this with coaching here in about 12 minutes or so, because I, I think there's some really interesting scenarios for Tom Brady. I, I don't think Las Vegas would be that destination. Um, because of the AFC and the quarterbacks that are not only in that division, but also in the AFC. If you're Tom Brady, even despite how, look at this year, despite how bad his team has been, and he, the last couple of weeks in particular, actually has looked his age a little bit, they still have a chance to make the playoffs because that division sucks. And the quarterback path in the NFC is not that, that tough. If we all agree, right, if the Bucks still sneak in as an NFC South division winner, there will be people that will pick them to win multiple playoff games. In the AFC, there's no way that would have happened. So I don't think it's the Raiders, but yeah, the Tom Brady thing is going to be another off story, and I think there's a chance that uh, all of a sudden uh, the Miami Dolphins become interesting again with the Tua situation. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of things that are all open back up. Like I, I think that Miami's one to watch if Tua were to retire, they were not to sign him. We know we know Tom Brady. The report was they got in trouble for it that. It felt like it was more than a report. Steven Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, wanted Sean Payton and Tom Brady in Miami. So we'll talk about Sean Payton and coaching here in in like 10 minutes or so. But yeah, Derek Carr, there's talk that they're going to bench him maybe the rest of the season.
2: I don't know, man. You know, we can talk about the football aspect of it, but Derek Carr has brought us so many great memories in this rivalry. So to think that, you know, (laughs) in a little over a week from now, we could be seeing... You know, our last taste of that delicious Chiefs Raiders Derek Carr pie. I don't know, man. I'm getting a little sad just kind of thinking about it. No, you're not. I am. I am. It's been fun because Derek Carr has been a roller coaster. It was this, hey, wow, the Raiders got this plucky little quarterback in the second round who might actually be a legit dude for them. And then you had like, remember, he kind of like snuck into the MVP conversation and they won like 10 or 11 games. And they're like, okay, wow, the Raiders are here. And then pfft, back down to earth. The Raiders are the Raiders. And it's sort of been this up and down thing where I think over the last two years, at least maybe I'm totally wrong on this. There has been a, a, a tinge of an uptick in respect for Derek Carr to where we just wow. kind of thought this guy sucked and he was terrible. And like we were tired of everyone talking him up to where the last couple years it's like, uh ah. I see worse. I see worse situations across the NFL, and maybe he's not as bad as we think he is. It's just the fact that it's fun to beat him. It's fun to beat that team, and it's fun to beat him. I think it's it's
3: seeing quarterback play in general, but also well, you mentioned like the respect factor or whatever. I, I think it's because of how clearly his teammates and how he's ha- like how he's handled some of the mess that's gone on the last two years with. Coach firing the unfortunate off the field stuff with uh, uh, Rugs last year, and like how he did keep that team together. Like I think that's why there's a little bit of respect there. But overall, like I see on the text line, someone said, "Hey, Derek Carr had Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams this year. He's not going to be any better with the guys in New York." Yo, I'm not saying that Derek Carr is going to be better. I'm saying if you're the, if you're the Jets, Derek Carr's an upgrade from what you had, and you're going to you could talk yourself into saying, "Oh, we were this with Mike White and Zach Wilson. Yeah, we what know. What can we be with Derek Carr? Nobody's saying Derek Carr is going to become a top five quarterback. No, that's long gone. That's never happened. Derek gonna happen. Carr is
2: the same guy; he's always been, which is like a borderline top ten to top top, not even ten. Sorry, I, I think shouldn't say 12. that. I'm going to get cracked. Like, said, like 12, twelve to fifteen in the league. I'm looking at it right now they're 12th in points scored this year that's exactly who he is and that's what he will get you but the Raiders also had one of the worst defenses in the NFL so I don't know like the whole Tom Brady thing like he walked into a perfect situation in Tampa Bay where he had one of the league's best defenses and all of these weapons on offense that's not exactly the Vegas situation so I'm kind of with you I think it's just the Josh McDaniels ties that make people wonder.
3: Yeah, uh, we'll talk more about Tom Brady and then coaching carousel a little bit coming up in, in 10 minutes or so. I, I will say, though, uh, I, I was a little hurt yesterday. You mentioned you're, you said you're kind of sad about maybe Derek Carr leaving. I'm, I'm not there with you on that, but I a little sad yesterday. A part of my, and I think your childhood is is now closing shop. For those of Our you childhood. that were born in maybe the, the 80s or grew up in the 90s or whatever in particular, the old East Bay catalog, you remember getting those in the mail? Oh, yeah. Love the East Bay. Well, they announced yesterday that they are closing shop for good at the end of this year. East Bay. So wait, done. there's still time. I mean, I I don't know if they're accepting orders. They're closing shop at the end of this year. So maybe you can get one last order in. But I love getting that catalog in the mail, oh, man. M- dude, the that- East Bay catalog was awesome. That thing had, I mean, I, I probably honestly only ordered from East Bay. Maybe five or six times. So I don't want to act like I was someone that was constantly ordering. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It was still cool to have the catalog. And it was and they ultimately went online in the last 15 years. So it's like you didn't have to have the catalog. But I love getting it. You any of the any of the shoes, basketball shoes, Jordans, whatever were in there, every sports apparel before you could just go online and search for things. That was that was how you went about
2: seeing everything. I'm gonna miss East Bay man so I remember specifically what shoes I bought the first pair of shoes I bought on East Bay catalog you remember yes what were they they were the Tracy McGrady twos <laughs> right, I white and up. blue they had like the they were like all white and then they had the five blue stripes it was when he was playing for the Orlando magic he was like my favorite athlete at the time and I remember that East Bay catalog because you that was how you figured out about new shoes yeah there weren't. I mean, maybe you would see them on TV ads, but you weren't going online and like scrolling through Nike and Adidas's hey, shops. Man, right now on the website, seventy percent off.
3: You can you can you get seventy percent off. You can they still make them? All, well, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the Max. East Bay. Everything because they're going. It's that seventy percent off site wide because they're closing. All sales are final. I haven't even. I should have. I didn't even. I should have looked online and see if there's anything good. Okay, well, we got to make an order then. I I mean, it's kind of tempting. Well, you know what we got to do, man. We got some like basketball shorts that are normally thirty-five bucks for like nine bucks right now. Kids today,
2: kids today will never understand (laughs) the joy of the East Bay catalog coming in the mail, right? Your mom or dad, like, for me, I was the first one home from school. Okay. So when you knew it was that time of the month, that sounds weird to say, (laughs) but when you knew when you knew it was about East Bay time, I would always come. I would get dropped off by the bus. I'd come down the street and I would open the. I would keep waiting for the East Bay catalog to come, and then it comes, dude. It was so massive and thorough. Yeah, like it had everything. It had it had sneakers, shorts, t-shirts. Like if you wanted athletic apparel, that was that was athletic apparel before
3: you went online. I mean, it had stuff if you were uh, like a youth soccer coach or a high school coach. Like because remember, you could order equipment. It wasn't just tennis shoes. I mean, you could order baseball pads or whatever. Like it was it was everything. It was it was the definitive sports catalog. A lot of people saying they loved East Bay as a kid. They got a pair of Penny Hardaways from that catalog. Oh, I think everybody, the pennies. I think everybody has a story from from East Bay. Or at the very least, recalls getting it in in the mail. You could go online, you could request a free catalog, and then
2: they kept just sending it to you. Oh yeah, and it was great. That was before the time when we would get annoyed by getting sent catalogs. That was when like, <laughs> please send me the catalog. I honestly, so they're closing
3: shop, unfortunately, at the end of the year. But I didn't know they were doing seventy uh, percent off on the website. I might, I haven't been on the website in years, years. But now I'm kind of tempted to go see if there's anything good. I don't know if the, yeah. if the shoes or if it's just apparel are 70% off. But NBA. Can we
2: get can Can I? Do you, would you mind if I tried to book the CEO of East Bay? The CEO? Yeah. Uh, you gonna, think I could
3: get him? I don't know if we need the CEO of East Bay. What do you you do You know if you we need thank, him? You want to thank him?
2: Yeah, just to talk about. Someone
3: says, remember when you had to have your mom write a check. You sent it in the mail. Then you yeah. waited four to six weeks. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were way more patient back then. Could you imagine waiting <laughs> isn't that
2: 2 day, a month? There's no two-day free delivery. No, prime, prime shipping, all that stuff did not exist. They didn't even have tracking. Like, once you sent the check-in, you're just like, hopefully it comes. There was no, like, hey, here's your tracking number. You can watch on FedEx but, uh, and see exactly where it's at. But because of the wait time, you. I mean, I'll be honest, like, I think you were way more excited. Because
3: in a way you almost yeah, forgot about it, and then one day you were hoping it showed up, and there was you, you, you were you were thrilled when that box came for the new shoes or whatever. Now I might shed a tear. There's a PJ Tucker sweatshirt that's normally 75 bucks for 30 bucks right now, man. If you want it, <laughs> that's the it's that's an orange an orange for. PJ Tucker sweatshirt. There you go, man. Man, East Bay, gonna close shop in a couple days. It's a but shame. It kind of sucks, man. It's funny, we all say it sucks, and when's the last time anybody has ordered from East Bay? Maybe that's why they're closing I shop. mean,
2: I was living at home, and I probably wasn't in middle school yet, but... That's
3: what I'm saying. I, don't, I think just now with it, now they're also like Adidas and Nike, they all have their own shops online. Like you can just like, order you know, directly from them. It's
2: kind of like the day when I came home from soccer, It I was like in third grade, and we had an old wooden jungle gym out back that I hadn't touched in five years, and then somebody was loading it up into the back of their truck. Like my parents had <laughs> sold it, and I started crying. Because I was like, I don't know. That's my jungle gym. My dad's like, you don't even play on it. What are you? Why are you crying? And like, it's because it's mine. That's how I feel about <laughs> East Bay right now. I don't use it, yeah. but I just want it to be there in case. Yeah, yeah I got you. <laughs> All right,
3: coming up next, though, it was actually a conversation I heard uh, from Seedon on the Drive yesterday. I-, I completely disagree with it. I'll tell you what it has to do with in the AFC West mix next.
4: to the end zone. Cody and Gold brought to you by Gann Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Don't miss the Chiefs Red Half Hour every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner of the
0: Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
3: Just getting started here on a Wednesday. Cody and Gold, Alex Gold, Nick Schwartz, with you. Coming up in 25 minutes, Nick Ferguson, former Broncos safety, going to join us to talk about the mess out in Denver and how they kind of view the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit and what a locker room is like after a coach can be fired and what it means maybe for Sunday's game at Arrowhead, where the Chiefs are significant double-digit favorites once again over the Broncos uh, for Sunday afternoon. Just real quick before we get into the coaching stuff, did you see this come across during the break? Uh, I won't necessarily call it breaking news, but definitely interesting, Nick, when it comes to the, the Tua situation uh, down in Miami. Mike McDaniel says uh, that Tua did in fact sustain a concussion, so that's something now the team is confirming, did sustain a concussion, which is the second known one of the season. We think there's a third, but the second one that they are able to fully confirm. What
2: is this this, fa- this third one that you're referring to?
3: So remember, so go back to earlier in the season, and you had uh, the first game, the one like the hit that everybody was like, "Oh, I can't believe he came back in the so game." Thursday
2: night football. Well, no, 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 the... no, not okay. not
3: not the fencing uh, response. Okay, the week before. The week, remember, like four days before. Yeah, and he no, nothing ever happened with it. He was wobbly. Remember, and he went back in the game. Yeah, and, okay. and they never said that was a concussion. Then he played four days later, and then had the clear concussion. That was what they they said. Oh, that was only the first one, although people suspect that that first game that he had the hit so this would be the third that's why I that's why I referenced that one
2: so let me ask you this because this is something that is not I mean all that the idea that like hey there was a concussion there we saw it it looked really bad mm-hmm. and then and then they say well no it actually wasn't the concussion isn't that kind of how we treated it when Mahomes went out versus the Browns? In the, in the playoffs a couple of years ago when everybody else said, well, he shouldn't be able to play because he got a concussion. And they say, no, well, that was a, that was a nerve. His neck kind of got twisted in the wrong way. They changed actually-
3: the protocol since they, in fact, they changed it the in season this year though, Nick, like they changed the protocol because of the, the two situation in that four day span from that Sunday game to that Thursday night game. And this is what's weird. is like, it keeps involving two and it keeps involving the dolphins, but at the same time, we know there are spotters in the stands that, this past week's game on Christmas Day that spotters did not think they saw anything or they, or they missed it altogether, or whatever. Clearly they did because he suffered a concussion. Uh, and the team that's not me saying that the team just confirmed that they didn't, they didn't pull him out of the game. They, they didn't think there was anything there. And so it's, it's as much as the Dolphins are going to be criticized again, and I get why because they seem to struggle with this more than others. Nobody on the independent side pulled two out of the game. On Christmas Day. And so, the NFL policy, yet again, has has failed Tua. And they're going to have to have serious conversations, I think, uh, with Tua. And his, Tua's going to have to have conversations with his family again and figure this thing out in the offseason. Like, if he's a, his concussion right now, he's not playing on Sunday. I mean, I think that's pretty clear to say. There's no way he's playing this Sunday. The question will be, does he play in the playoffs, if they make the playoffs? I don't know how that's possible. We'll see. And then, in the offseason, it's going to come down to whether he wants he himself wants to play and what's recommend it, recommended out there. Mike McDaniel also saying uh, he's citing privacy relate, relative to how many specialists Tua has or will visit with. Uh, and he also had mentioned that uh, Tua is currently better than he was yesterday. So that's just news just now coming out of Miami. And, of course, Teddy Bridgewater is the starting quarterback, and is a Dolphins team that they can't lose out and still make the play. They, they're, they're holding on to the
2: seventh spot right now. I cannot believe they're basically in the same exact spot they were a year ago. Yep. And didn't this team win ten plus games two years ago with Brian Flores, the guy who they ran out of town? Yeah. Do you recall that? Do you and recall? They're gonna, and they're
3: gonna and they're gonna have fewer wins. It looks like. They're gonna have fewer wins. It looks like.
2: But yeah, they had Mike, Mike Daniels was, that was year. being
3: talked about as a coach of the year candidate month and a half ago. You know, month and a yeah. half, two months ago, like a legitimate coach of the year candidate. And now, if you know you you have Tyreek Hill who's having a great season, there's a, there's a there's still a chance they don't even
2: make the playoffs. Like that is a real possibility. We thought that they might be the third best team in the mm-hmm. AFC early in the season when yeah. they were cruising. They look great, and they had the comeback win against so, the had Ravens, six
3: touchdowns in a game. <laughs>
2: yeah, they had the win against the Bills the next week. We thought, okay, this offense is explosive. Mike McDaniel's has it figured out. He is unlocked Tua, Tyreek, Jalen Waddle. These two deep threats, nobody can stop. These, this is a legit Super Bowl contending team. And I think a lot of us were still in like, okay, well let's wait and see. Well, we waited. And they've lost four consecutive games and might not make
3: yeah, it. Yeah, and of course it's unfortunate with the Tua I mean the, the yeah. Tua stuff itself is uh, is is extremely unfortunate uh for, for not only the, the organization, but obviously for for Tua individually. I mean serious ramifications long term for his his health and, and, and well being with another concussion now confirmed by the Miami Dolphins. All right, it's just a little update there in Miami. I did want to talk about coaching, though, because we, we kind of were, were dancing around it a little bit in the first segment just in terms of where things are at in, in the AFC West and how it could impact, you know, Derek Carr. Let's say Derek Carr leaves the Raiders. You mentioned, you know, what does Tom Brady go there? It's interesting because I was listening to the drive yesterday and, and, and caught a little bit of, of CDOT's conversation he was having about what he thinks the Chargers should do. He says he thinks the Chargers, if they know that Sean Payton would take the job, that they should fire Brandon Staley. like If, they, if, if Sean Payton said, hey, I'll, I'll take the job, I'll work with Herbert, that they should fire Brandon Staley. Now, first, let me just say, and I know this wasn't the conversation CDOT was having, um, and we can explore the hypothetical. Brandon Staley's not getting fired um, unless they're going to repeat history in their own franchise, which would be what they did after Marty Schottenheimer, remember, won 13 games and they fired him for North Turner. Remember that? This was years ago, but that happened. What a mistake that was. I understand Brandon Staley doesn't have the track record and is not Marty Schottenheimer. I get that. But the same organization, they're going to make the same mistake twice. Brandon Staley's going to win 11 games, it looks like. And we all agree that they would have a chance to win a playoff game. Brandon Staley also, as much as we've criticized him, I actually think he's done a pretty damn good job this year. Think about this. They're going to win 11 games, it looks like, make the playoffs for the first time with Herbert. And their big offseason acquisition, J.C. Jackson, been out for, what, two months now? Uh, Joey Bost has been out for months. He's going to be back, I think, for the playoffs. Keenan Allen, out for the majority of the season. Now he's back. Mike Williams, out for the majority of the season. He's back. And they're going to win 11 games? And we're honestly having a conversation about firing Brandon Staley? That's well, insane to me. To be that fair, we're not.
2: To be we, fair with though, we're not having a conversation. What we sh- it, there should not be a conversation whatsoever. We're, what we're doing... Is having a conversation about the conversation. Okay, that's why that's not actually being had. So I I I want to mention that real quick.
3: That I don't. I'll I'll go down the road with Carrington for a second. But Brandon Staley's not getting fired. Now let's say he was. Would Would you fire Brandon Staley if you knew you could have Sean Payton? That was essentially the conversation. This scenario is not going to play out this way. But if you could have Sean Payton, would you fire Brandon Staley? and my my answer is no. I know the thought is like, well, then Sean Payton get the most out of Justin Herbert. If Brandon Staley would not have made the playoffs this year, I thought he should be fired. He's gonna. He's. We know he's making a play. There's no. There's no hypothetical anymore. He he's clinched a playoff berth. So, uh, I'm looking at Sean Payton. Do I think he could bring more out of Justin
2: Herbert? Yeah, potentially. You know who also could? A new offensive coordinator there. By the Brandon way, Brandon Staley's
3: a defensive minded Are we going to ignore coach.
2: this? Are we going to ignore the fact that? The offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Chargers it was Sean, is we, we, Joe Lombardi, who was with who? Who was the offensive coordinator under Sean Payton in New Orleans? Correct, with Drew Brees. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that is accurate. What? What do you? What do you think is going to happen? There, there. It's it's not as though Joe Lombardi got to. That was the reason why Joe Lombardi got criticized last year was that you are running an offense that was built around a 43-year-old quarterback who couldn't push the ball more than 10 yards down the field with a guy who can throw it 60 yards on a dime. Maybe we can switch some things up here. Justin Herbert at 22 isn't exactly the same guy as Drew Brees at 43. That is why their offensive coordinator got co- got criticized last year. And I'm not even saying that to say that like, Sean Payton's not a great coach because he is. But to think that, like, he is going to unlock some sort of untapped potential with this offense is silly to me. Yeah, and I think that,
3: that scenario to me would have been realistic if you would have said that Brandon Staley and the Chargers completely flopped and they won, you know, seven or eight games. And then they would have said, all right, all right, we're out on Brandon Staley, and the whole staff's gone. And then Sean Payton comes. In. Like I, I could, I, I could, I could see that. Um, Sean Payton to me will have his pick of the openings. Right now, it's Denver, it's Indianapolis, it's Carolina. We think maybe it'll end up being Houston, depending on what they do with Lovey Smith. But we think that'll be opened up, and they'll have a top pick. So if he, you know, if he likes Bryce Young or whatever, maybe that, maybe he is att- attracted to that spot. I don't know. Houston, that ownership group scares me a little bit. If I'm, if I'm Sean Payton. And then the other you know, the other opportunities we'll see. We, there's always a surprise firing or two. It just happens every year. We we usually don't just see three openings. We usually see four, five, or six openings in the league. And I think Sean Payne will, will be able to, to pick wherever he wants to go. There's reports that he doesn't want to go to Carolina. I did th- I find this interesting. You, you were mentioning Tom Brady and how could he factor in to the coaching carousel this year? Because I think he can in a serious way. Mike Florio was reporting uh, that he's had one source tell him that if Sean Payne coaches in 2023, uh, there's a growing school of thought that he could return to the Saints. Now I was like, wait a second. So Sean Payne is still under contract with New Orleans, two more years. And we know if he were to take a job elsewhere, somebody would have to compensate the Saints, right? So if he took the job, in I'll just say Carolina, even though it looks like that's not where you would go, but Carolina, they would have to maybe give up, I don't know, second-round pick, third-round pick, whatever the compensation would be. So that we all know. But wait a second. Dennis Allen, who was the longtime defensive coordinator for Sean Payton, got promoted when Sean left. You're telling me that they would say, oh, thanks for holding it down for a year. Uh, Sean, you're hired again. Dennis, you want to still be the D.C. or do you want to be fired? Uh, And you're just going to come back and coach the Saints. And the the report from Florio is that then Tom Brady would go to the Saints.
2: See, I could see I could see the Saints doing it easier than I could see Sean Payton doing it. Like that's the part that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I don't know why Sean Payton would go back to the team that he left. And I know that Sean, I know, like, okay, he wanted to step away, wanted to retire, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Like that was a horrible situation that he was exiting because, in large part, to some of the yeah. contracts that he handed out. They were in cap hell. They didn't have money to go out and attract free agents. Now, I don't know what their situation will be next year. But it would just seem odd to me that a guy who's like, I'm going to step away and then step right back into the same situation. I know crazier things have happened, but it's just like, why? It's it's
3: weird. I I mean, I I don't think he's going. I don't think Sean Payton's going to Denver. And and it sounds like people don't believe he's going to go to Carolina. Denver doesn't make sense. We went over that yesterday. I think there's way too much of a mess. We're going to talk to Nick Ferguson about this in about 15 minutes or so, former Bronco. But Sean Payton, to me... Yeah, going back to New Orleans now. If you told them that, hey, it's a package deal. If you're like, if your Saints ownership and 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 Sean Payton told you, hey, you guys let me back, and I can guarantee you that Tom Brady's coming here. Well, then yeah, they're gonna fire Dennis Allen <laughs> if, if if they knew that was the the scenario. That's assuming Tom Brady wants to play next season. And I'll be honest, like I actually think Tom Brady for the most part this season hasn't been forty five year old Tom Brady, but the last three weeks he looks like forty five year old Tom Brady. There are a couple passes a little
2: short. He's kind of like he's kind of like me in college, where it's like he only he does his best when there's no time left. Like he procrast—it's like Tom Brady plays like a procrastinating college student. It's like I'm not going to do anything for the first three quarters of the year, and then last semester finals week I'm going to cram and ace it. <laughs> I didn't accept that when I was in college. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't yeah. ace You it. were at the Hawk or. But the cramming part. Louise's. That, yeah. I was cramming beers into my gullet. Uh-huh. That's what I was cramming. Yeah. Uh-huh.
3: We'll get to uh, Nick's level know. Thinking of cramming beers. Do you Do you wish you were down in Memphis right now? There's a bowl game this afternoon. I know it's not common for, for us KU fans to be talking about bowl games. We know this. Uh, but there is a bowl game this afternoon at 430 in Memphis. The Liberty Bowl. KU taking on Arkansas. Jayhawks, two and a half point dogs. You and I put in probably too many bets this morning. Uh, getting set for this I'm, game this afternoon, but I, I'm, ex-
2: I, I'm getting more excited as it gets closer. But yeah, I saw I, some cool photos. What what is anxiety versus excitement? Because You're like, why would you be? I wouldn't be. Well, there. I bet an uncomfortable amount. Well, you and I put in a good amount of bets before. No, the game. I I won't be able to financially withstand the losses <laughs> if these you bets won't? don't hit. That's not smart. That's not smart on your part, then. But that's what makes me more excited for games. Well, I'm betting well, an uncomfortable we, amount, right? Well, not an uncomfortable
3: amount. You you and I have talked about this. Games that you're not interested in, if you put a few bucks on it, become interesting. Uh, I don't know how much money you actually bet on the game. Um, but that adds some excitement. I, I saw some photos. Some friends sent me some photos and videos of Memphis. It looks like it's ha- they're having a good time. I, I wish it was on a Wednesday at 4.30. You know, like if it was on a Saturday at 5.30 this Saturday, I would have considered driving down there. But I've, have you seen the stories that some of these hotels don't have water? There's a big water issue down there. Yeah, what is
2: going on with water? Uh,
3: I think they had water main breaks and frozen pipes as well down there. In Memphis, a buddy of mine, I showed you the video, sent me a video of their hotel in the middle of the night. They had to have the fire department come out. The whole lobby was yeah. flooded. Uh, and so there's been some issues down there. Um, but the photos we see, like KU fans are outnumbering Arkansas at 70-30. It looks like at least as of the first few days and building up to it.
2: Yeah, so at first I thought, Nah, I don't want to. I just got back from vacation. Like, I don't want to turn around and drive down. It's a Wednesday. You're right. It's a 4-30 game. It's in Memphis, right? It's not like a, a great destination. And then everybody started posting pictures on Beale Street, <laughs> and it's, like you said, 70, 30, or 80, 20 KU fans. And I'm like, damn it.
1: It looks Is, like KU's playing
2: in a bowl game for the first time since 2008, and we're sitting here talking about it. I was in my pajamas on the couch last night while friends were sending me pictures at bars. And I thought, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head <laughs> in early. <laughs>
3: Are you going anywhere to watch the game this afternoon? No, like, no. I'm meeting some some people at a, just at a, at a sports bar down the street for the
2: No, game I'm afternoon. gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna watch it home. But uh, you know, some of these games, like some of the big games, you, we've talked about this. KU Chiefs, the teams that you actually yeah. care about. I get there's like a nervous energy. I'd rather oh. either be by myself or with guys I know, people I know are gonna watch it the same way I'm gonna watch it, which is. You know, three or four of my friends, and we're just sitting on, around the TV and just kind of quietly watching and exclaiming and talking, but, like, there's not sidebar conversations yeah. going on during the
3: game. Uh, I can't have any of that. I'm with you on the Chiefs. It's 100%. I, I, will, I don't like watching Chiefs games at, at bars. I'm I'm with you. For KU, for a bowl game as KU football, I, I can watch with bars and, and have conversations during it. It's not going to drive me all that much.
2: Uh, yeah, but you're no longer the host of the Wave and the Wheat podcast. I'm not. When's the next one coming out, man? Are you going to post a po- game special? Tomorrow okay, morning. Good. So, instant reaction. And for all those people driving back up from What if you don't win Memphis. your
3: bets though? Are you going to still do it?
2: Well, I'll record it and then
3: Okay. And then, you know. Let's get to your notes then. I hope that doesn't happen. Nick's
4: notable notes.
2: I hope it doesn't happen Luke either. Grim touchdown today, please. Let's just, yeah, let's put it this way. If KU doesn't win, <laughs> Somebody else is going to be producing Cody and gold. Oh, wow. Yeah, tomorrow. Last night, we talked about this earlier. Luka Doncic had one of the greatest games in modern NBA history. Maybe in NBA history. He recorded in the Mavericks win over the New York Knicks. The first ever 60-point, 20-rebound, triple-double in NBA history. He finished with t- 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. I have a rule of thumb. If you're ever asked a basketball trivia question and say, who was the player that did X? Guess, Will Chamberlain <laughs> right, or right. Michael Jordan, and you're going to give yourself a pretty good chance of nailing that. Neither one of them ever did this. If Will Chamberlain never did it in a game, that means you did something pretty special. And it wasn't just like a guy who was out there taking went 21 to 31 gold like an incredibly efficient scoring night it was unbelievable and and
3: it wasn't just oh he got he racked these points in a blowout win for those
2: that that
3: didn't watch it (laughs) there was an intentional miss free throw on his part that he followed up and got a bucket to force overtime. Like it wasn't just oh they were blowing him out and he just you know no 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 it was it was a close game. He need, they needed every bit of those sixty points to, to win the game last night. I think that made it kind of cooler too, Nick. It wasn't a blowout win and they're like oh we're gonna leave him in. We're up to twenty, but we're just gonna let him keep shooting the ball to try to get no 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 no. He had to miss a free throw. Yeah, and follow it up with a bucket. I
2: know that the NBA is not super popular in Kansas City, and I get it because yeah. growing up it's I did I didn't have a team same so i would just watch players when i was a kid i loved basketball so i would just follow. you know i'd follow michael jordan or i'd follow tracy mcgrady or then paul pierce and kobe bryant like just like the grades because as any little kid would do like luca's going to be that guy for this generation because he's someone who even if you don't have rooting interest and you don't like the nba because you think guys don't play defense or you just don't like the way the games played compared to how it was 20 30 years ago He sort of transcends all of that. He is so much fun to watch. He looks like a guy who, like, is your neighbor at the condo next door or, like, somebody who works down the hall from you. He does not look like a premier athlete yet. His conditioning in the cup playoff time
3: could use some work. That was an issue last yeah, year. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But then you look at performances last night. I mean, 30, I mean he's averaging 33, eight and eight on this <laughs> he's, season. He's the new favorite for MVP
3: this morning. The odds came out. I mean, that's no, Yeah, I mean, he was already in the running, but he's the new favorite with all those.
2: Well, and you, you mentioned his conditioning uh, afterwards <laughs> on the Mavs television broadcast. He was noticeably gassed after his performance. (laughs) And uh, here's the exchange with the uh, Mavericks sideline reporter. 60
3: point, 20 rebound, triple, double, 60 points, 20 boards. Never, it never happened, baby. How's it feel right now? I'm tired as hell. (laughs) (laughs) You can rest later. You're young.
2: I need a recovery beer.
3: Oh, we can handle that. Uh, A recovery
2: recovery beer, beer, man. man. I love that first thing on his mind after the game he seemed like a very fun personality as well, well he's, so. 20, he's 23 years old he's still Dude. he's that, that's why he's also able to be that way he's 23 years old he's in his fifth year in the nba like sometimes math doesn't add up like i do it with mahomes sometimes. international player i do it with mahomes sometimes too i'm like you're 27 and you're gonna win your second mvp like this special doesn't really check generational type of athletes man just fun to watch. So we don't talk a lot of NBA, but I thought, you know what? Yep. We would break a rule today I like here it. on Nick's Notable Notes in honor of uh, a historic performance last night from Luka Doncic.
3: Up next, let's get right back into the Chiefs and the AFC West. We know the Broncos need a new head coach. What's the fix for Russ? Does it exist? What does it mean for the Chiefs come Sunday? Nick Ferguson, former Broncos safety, stops by.
4: Listening to Cody and Gold, brought to you by GAN Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, GAN Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at GANNasphalt.com. Don't miss Alex's That Betting Show every Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Right here on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app.
0: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spent all yeah. Only at T-Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.
4: <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com?